How you been doing, Alec? Ah, I was sick for a little while. It, it took a real long time to go away, and then I uh, had to do some work. I'm not. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys you guys wish you could be. All right. Let's just preface it that way. One of those guys that goes home, sits down on the couch, and does not do work from his job at home. I don't do that shit. I'm never that guy. I'm nobody's fool. But for this past month, I've been that fool. I have been fucking toiling away. It's been a nightmare. (laughs) I put in hours at my job. I'm like, whatever. I'm almost 50 hours a week, so I don't give a shit. I'm not going to work at home. This whole month, I finally could not avoid it. I have hated it. And you had like a nasal infection? I ended up getting sent home from work a bunch of times by my boss, but then I just kept coming in the next day. (laughs) It didn't work out good. You've been somebody's fool. Yeah, I have had to be somebody's fool. You gotta be someone. Mr. T is pissed off at you. I'm not, I'm nobody's fool, except for maybe this month I've been somebody's Yeah, I, I'm. I've, I've got to. I got to stop being someone. I got to go back to being no one. It's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I know someone who's someone, and that someone is Mister Injury over here. So what's up? Uh, you took a bad sunset flip, or what happened? Kind of. My bike basically <laughs> sunset flipped me. Uh, <laughs> I uh, am gonna start dog walking. I, I've already got one client. Dog walking, you can make some money. But you're going to lose a lot of that money if you then got to ride the bus or the subway all the time. Yeah. Time to come out of retirement. Take down the old bike, dust it off. Go back to the old me, you know? Basically, just you're trying to be an asshole again. Well, I've always been an asshole. Come on. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but you haven't been a bike riding asshole. That is not true. I was a bike riding asshole for a while. We were not hanging out at the time. The bike rider is a special messenger from hell. Fuck those guys. I hate them. You walk out in the street and some asshole's going to clip you. You know, the only ones that don't are the ones that every fucking old asshole complains about, which is delivery guys. Delivery guys are the fucking kings. They can do whatever they want. They can ride a bicycle. They can ride two bicycles at the same time for all I care. But some dickhead on a city bike. Oh, I'm not talking about city bike. I'm talking I'm not, about oh, bike riding oh, oh, assholes. Oh, oh, oh. I'm you're talking about. Step, no, 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 no. You're no. one rung. You're one rung over them on the uh-uh, ladder. Don't no even. Way. Don't you dare. I'll tell you. I, I'm a Manhattanite. I grew up in Manhattan. Fuck bicycles. Fuck all you guys. I don't care. Don't at me or at me. I don't give a shit. I mean, I need the exposure. Watch my stream. <laughs> City bike riding guys. And then way above that comes where I live. I'm, I'm right below cool teenagers doing stunts. Cool teenagers doing stunts suck. No, they're, they're like motor- awesome. What are you oh talking about? God, they're like motorcycle guys on Queens Boulevard. Fuck those guys. No, no, Jesus no, Christ. no, because they don't make any noise except for their hooting and hollering, which is fun. All right, fine. Oh, if you're talking about like, I was in Brooklyn a little while ago and there were like a bunch of teenagers, like hundreds of teenagers riding around on bikes doing stupid shit. And I did really like that. It did have a good time. 
If you're talking about those guys, those guys are cool. We we just got to clear it up. The top of the mountain is the delivery bike drivers. Those guys are the bomb. Well, yeah, because they're doing it day in, day out. Uh-huh. And those guys kick ass. This is wildly <laughs> off tangent. You got fucked up. I got to start riding my bike. I'll take the bike out for a spin around Prospect Park. And Hannah's like, oh, I don't like you riding the bike at all. You're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, you're old now. No way. I'm not going to hurt myself. I've been doing this for, for decades now in New York City. I got Except it covered. Except for the past decade where you haven't. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I take my bike down and I, I, I get it all, you know, fixed up. And I take it out and uh, four blocks away, somebody's double parked in the bike lane. And as I'm checking over my shoulder to make sure that a fucking semi isn't going to hit me while I swerve around him, I hit a pothole. Wheel goes 90 degrees and I just like, you know, complete circle in the air. Surprisingly, didn't get that hurt except uh, my wrist, which is probably sprained because I had literally just told Hannah, there's no way I'm getting hurt. I'm just biking to the park and back. I just, for a couple of seconds, laid in the street laughing. These two women ran up to me and were like, are you okay? And I'm still laughing and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. But I'm, I keep laughing because I find it so ridiculous. And they won't take me saying I'm okay at all. I think that they thought that I had a concussion and I was like, out of my mind. So then I stole Hannah's bike. I still went around the park. My bike is completely cool. fucked. The, the front yeah. wheel bent in half. If you could hear that, for some reason I rattled my blinds. I don't know why, why I did, did that. you do that. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty fucking loopy. I'm coming off a really long work day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. physically fucked up, and you're mentally fucked up. This is going yeah, to be I'm a great fucking podcast. I seem to remember being incredibly drunk for like the first six of our podcasts. <laughs> I'm literally too broke to buy cheap beer right now. So that's I, that's where the hell world I'm living in. Because you guys know how boring Tristan is when he's not fucking drunk, so. Okay, this this has gone on way too long. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll cut like 10 minutes out of it, so it's fine. Um, 10 minutes of it is me not even understanding how my audio equipment works. <laughs> We're fine. So let's talk about the real meat of the podcast here, okay? Which we'll is? Let's just get right in. It's fucking Sabatelio Moss, asshole. Of course! And of guess course. what? I could talk about half of that right now, assholes. I got it. It's fucking Riddick Moss, the Riddick Regimen. I love this because he's a fitness dork. He's also a jobber because he hasn't even won yet. It's amazing. His debut, he loses. I think he loses to Raumentos. <laughs> You're our boy. Come on. I know. I'm so happy. When he came out, Emily got so mad because I shouted really loud. I made like a really loud exclamation. It was like a comic book moment. I went, oh, and she was in the room and she was just like, shut up. I was alone. I did the same thing. And then they kept leaning on this stupid fucking gimmick for so, so long. Great. It's so great. 
I fucking hate this. Oh my god, I love it. He has a stupid personal muscle massager. He has his own water bottle. He has like... Oh, he has it all. He's it's it's so not water, good. though, because they're like, oh, what, what kind of elixir does he have in there? Like, he's got some kind of protein shake in there that, it's that's water. his special brand. <laughs> it's water. It's so he's, so, he's so cheesy. He's got to have water. I can't wait for him and Bugenhagen to get it to be a tag team. Oh, that actually. Isn't that going to be so great? Oh, I hate God. both of them and their gimmicks so much that that would be really good for me. But you'll love it. You'll love it when they're combined. You will. I'm not going to say I love it. You will love it. I will be combined. annoyed by it. Oh, so much. You'll you'll be so annoyed you'll love it. Riddick Moss is very good at being a stupid asshole to the ref. Oh, yeah, he's great. I mean, look, both of them were a treasure, and i they won me over. You could listen back to our first episodes. I don't recommend it, but you could. <laughs> <laughs> and you could hear that I, I, didn't, I wasn't all the way in on there. And we started making the jokes about the collective hive mind or the like loving couple or whatever, and then eventually- uh, Excuse me, you're, you're forgetting the most important one. What? Oh, the alpaca farm? Yeah. I really don't want to go back and listen. Those episodes were not great. <laughs> <laughs> they won me over. And Moss is so great. He's got a face that you just want to fucking piss on. I hate <laughs> And I love him for it. I think that we have the same but opposite responses to a lot of things. Yeah, you're like, I hate that guy, but I hate him for it. And I'm just like, I hate that guy, but I love him for it. I'm... I hate that guy, but I like that I hate him. And you're like, I love that guy because I hate him. I know. I really am. I want him to I want him to really succeed. I can't wait. You're just you're just one of these smarks who loves all the heels. That's all you are. Yeah, but I love all the heels that the smarks <laughs> hate. Cause you know who I want him to team with also? Who? It's fucking Kona Reeves. Oh, that would be very good. Oh my god, right? But they don't they don't want to team him now because he's just coming off of a tag run. Like it's like fuck a disputed era. I want to see fucking Kona Reeves and fucking Riddick Regiment hang out together. We've said this before, and uh we're going to definitely hit it like four more times in the rest of this particular podcast, but Undisputed Era, one hundred percent a face team. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody loves them. So we do need the stable of guys that everyone boos. And it can't just be the Forgotten Sons. Yeah, no, it can't be the Forgotten Sons. Uh, they're like the only real old-timey heels that, they're, that they have. Or, as Nigel has been referring to them, savages. That is true. Nigel is fucking awesome. Okay, we're going to bring this up. Why not segue to this now? Goodbye, Percy. Goodbye, Percy. And and we love Percy. Oh. He's gone to that big showtime in the sky. Yeah. AKA though- Hollywood being a D-list actor. Well, good for him. Because like, even though he was never the greatest member of the commentary team, he was fun and he was good and he... Did a better job than Beth Phoenix is doing now. And I don't mean that about Beth Phoenix. He did fit the dynamic, I think, a little bit better. In that um, he never talked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Moro is great and fun, and we love Moro, but he's very overwhelming. And I don't think that you can be a face commentator if you're trying to say a lot of things and Moro is there because he's just going to fucking overwhelm you. And I think that's what happened, and I don't think... It's not his fault, necessarily. I just think the chemistry is a little weird. I think she would do a lot better if she was at a table that he wasn't at. Nigel will give you the opportunity to play off of him because he's like the color commentator, the heel. Beth Phoenix is going to do fine because she is a good commentator. I've listened to some of the stuff she did on Mae Young and and other stuff. She's good. With Percy being gone, I kind of understand what people... Because I'm thinking back on the Percy years and what was going on with him. And he was never great, but he was... He was able to be the face commentator by playing off of Nigel and not really playing into Moro that much. So I just had some technical difficulties. We uh, dropped a bunch of us ragging on various people and various commentators. Yeah. You know who I hate? Fucking Nigel. <laughs> yeah. You guys who listen to the show, you know how true that statement is. Not at all. He's a treasure. <laughs> he knows how many words of Spanish by now? Three? Yeah, maybe. I'd say it's a safe bet, too. We said goodbye to Percy, but we said hello again to someone else. Oh, yeah, who? The one, the only, the time splitter, Kushida. He's back for the first time, baby. That's it. And isn't it weird that they let him just keep the gimmick? Isn't it weird that for some reason there's like... Asian eye, squinty eye headlights that have numbers in it when he shows up? I think it's his face. I think they actually took a picture of his face. I can't see his face. I'm colorblind, so maybe I'm not seeing something right, but it looks like they just have big racist Asian eyes on the screen. No, it is very stupid. I think that the intro is very stupid. I'm kind of getting kind of getting into his theme music for some reason, though, even though it's not that great. <laughs> How do you not do a line of flames that go across the screen? Because they're go they're leaning into the Back to the Future thing. Like Moro is just won't shut up about it. I think Nigel actually said, "What's a gigawatt?" <laughs> it was weird in NJPW, but in that way where a bunch of shit in NJPW is weird, and you just kind of go like, "Huh." Yeah. Now it's just like your gimmick is a classic movie. It feels very much like my issue with the Viking Raiders, if that's what they're called now. We haven't seen them since they abdicated the belts on NXT or the main roster, so making real good use of them. Most people in the WWE are supposed to actually be their gimmick. Well, I know you aren't Marty McFly. I know you aren't Marty McFly. You aren't Marty McFly, right? Right. I'm excited for when he's typing on his arm and then Morrow says something about a watch or whatever and Nigel says, he's not even wearing a watch. Well, yes, he is. He's wearing that drawn-on watch. I'm saying I can't wait for... I know what you're saying, but I just... It's not a watch. 
just tapping it doesn't okay all right because the hands aren't moving because it's drawn on okay well i'm the <laughs> nigel of the group i guess because she's been doing very good i could say we could say that he had a great match with drew gulak but who doesn't am i right, right? Yeah, exactly. He had a good debut with Cash's Ono, where Cash is lost again. But the Drew Gulak match I thought was awesome because this guy, I think they're testing how much people will love Kushida because they're like, oh, everybody loves him. He's a huge high flyer or whatever. Let's put him in a match where he's going to maybe jump off the top rope once. It ended on kind of like a counter roll-up that Drew Gulak was like really pissed about and was like calling him a coward. And it made me think, are they going to do a series? Like kind of an interesting test though of the indie darlings audience. The guys that wanted to see Kushida flip a million times and lock a guy in the hoverboard lock. And then only to get only to get the rope break. And then he does a flip and then he does a moonsault and he has a flip out of a moonsault. And then all of a sudden he, he did one flip, I think. But he still got he still got super hype. So it was like test passed. If Hiromu was in America, he'd be a deathmatch wrestler. <laughs> but he'd be the sweetest deathmatch wrestler in the yeah. world. Everybody would love him and he'd get his neck cut open every time. And it'd be horrible. It's that's it's I understand. He's not that way. Like Kushida is a real like wrestling guy, but I think if you're just average NXT guy. You watch some NJPW, maybe you don't watch a lot, and I'm talking about myself here. You might look at Kushida and be like, oh, he's from NJPW, he's a super junior, he flips around like crazy. And then they just showed you a match where he did not flip around, and yeah. you still liked it. Yeah. Cassius Ono is your first win to prove that you do professional wrestling. Right. But so far, they've called in Drew Gulak twice, and both of them have been for the same thing. To prove that the new guy has actual grappling chops. Yeah. Not professional wrestling shit, he's going to hold me over his head. No. Obviously, in Okiism, they're constantly being like, oh, he was also in, in MMA. He was a real fighter at one point, which is like... Everybody in New Japan has been a real fighter at one point. They do it for a real reason. No, we're we're legitimate professional wrestling. We aren't this carny shit that other people do. We're legitimate professional wrestling. In his own weird way, Drew Gulak is that for America. Yeah, everybody else is doing, oh, professional wrestling. I'm a professional wrestler, and I mean it. Even though that was the case... This is like the one time that he's going to actually be wrestling somebody even smaller than he is. He got to do the strength out stuff, which like Drew Gulak never gets to do. Kushida is actually more of the grounded. He isn't Hiromu. I really like using uh, Drew Gulak in that utilitarian way. You should like this guy for something other than the thing that you think you like him for. Yeah. Oh, you, you think that you like Matt Riddle because... He's high all the time, has a gigantic dick that he likes to wave around. But no, no, no. Actually, he is a good fucking wrestler. And the same thing with Kushida. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. No, I know. But they're saying there's more reasons to like the guy. Right. Oh, you know? okay. All right. All Not right. like he has a small dick, but like he can also do the good wrestling. I mean, he could be pretty cool with a small dick, too. I think people like those now. Yeah, but have you seen his fucking trunks? Come on. Yeah, man. no, he's definitely not got a small. <laughs> I mean, he's got a big dick. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that. 
Yeah, the mushroom hunting. The mushroom hunt is on. The elusive Matt Riddle white cap. <laughs> I wouldn't call it elusive. But there's only one. Unless he's that guy that uh, posted on Reddit about having the two wangs. Did he ever put up a picture of it or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he did? Oh, good for him. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Let's move on, I guess. He's going to be the only wrestler that can take down Matt Riddle. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Okay, there we go. That's a good That's a good way to end it. So before we get into TakeOver, we've been remiss. We have now six, count them six, five-star ratings on iTunes. Six stars, 16, 65, 30 six, stars. Six, yeah, sure. Okay, good going. All-star. Um, We're all-stars. But it's because of you guys. Yeah, definitely go over and uh, give us a rating and a review. Five stars only, please. Yeah, well, because, I mean, come on. And you can be as cool as Scarlet Gavinu. Good work reading these ahead of time. Who said, I rated y'all just to spite you, but I'd feel bad if I ruined the average rating. So, five stars. Oh, okay, cool. We also got rated by Atmanian, who said... Better than the competitors. Get it? There are none. Best by default. Yeah. Thank you no, very much. Well, that's the best way to be best. Yeah. It's true. It is kind of funny that there's no shows that only talk about NXT but us. Which is especially weird considering as the main roster gets worse and worse, I'm seeing more people online who are like, oh, I just watch NXT. And because there are people who don't want to go out of the country or go to some weird fucking greaseball blood promotion, that they are pretty cool. I just can't watch their matches without getting really grossed out. Nice. Thanks, guys. We still get emails sometimes at what's NXT pod at gmail.com, mainly from Chris, but every once in a while from someone else. Welcome, email companion. So, yeah, just wanted to thank. Thank our few fans. You're better than nothing. Yeah, you're great. <laughs> hey, uh, nothing against Chris. We love you, but uh, yeah, maybe why doesn't somebody else, somebody else email us? <laughs> yeah. That's a challenge to everybody who isn't Chris or Chris affiliated. Yeah, we're going to call this one the Beat Chris Challenge. So if you could beat Chris, you can get on the show. Uh, but thanks, guys. Now let's talk about TakeOver, I guess. That's a good segue, right? We'll use that one. Why not? <laughs> All right. TakeOver was fucking awesome. It was great, yeah. It was really good. We're always like, oh, TakeOver. It was so great. We're going back to the classics. They were all great. Yeah. Five great matches. Yeah. Was it less than usual? I feel like there were less matches, but they were longer. If anything, we're getting more matches now because we usually have one grudge match and then uh, there's the new belt. Okay, yeah. Well, we had a grudge match this time. It kicked it off. It was... Yes, it did. Roderick Strong versus Matt Riddle. And... And the grudge was based on... A bloody sandal. A bloody sandal. Maybe the funniest prop I've ever seen on NXT. There have been a lot of funny props, but Roderick Strong proving to Adam Cole that he beat up Matt Riddle by holding up a 
Nike slip-on sandal that had strawberry syrup drizzled over it. I thought it was red nail polish, but yeah, it could have been. It was very funny though, right? Yeah, it was really shiny for blood. It was it was pretty bad. Not smeared at all, like how you would think if you bloodied somebody and then stole their shoe, you think that it would get dirty. It was like a pristine sandal with pristine blood yeah, drawn on it. It looked like uh, it looked like maybe it was like in one of those like crime scenes where it was maybe just hung up on a wall and someone got stabbed and blood splashed on it. It looked like it was from a ride through haunted house, Ooh, and it yeah, would be that's like. Good. Something that an animatronic Frankenstein would have in his hands, and he'd kind of like, This was the witch's brain, and this is her flip flop. (laughs) Ah! Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm a fan. Yeah, this was a grudge match. This was, of grudge matches, a pretty grudgy grudge match. I had a lot of fun with it. It was long and good. I didn't think. They were going to have Matt Riddle take that long to beat Roderick Strong. It put over Roderick Strong in a major way. I agree with you for 90% of that match. Well, let's talk about the 90% and then we'll talk about the 10. Yeah. Roderick Strong finally actually looks like a fucking killer in that that sequence where he's like forearming him and then he does the backbreaker and then he knee to the back or something. Yeah. There were a number of times where not only did it seem like it was setting up for Roderick Strong to actually beat Matt Riddle, but it was a, like, overkill beating. And then Matt Riddle would fucking kick out. Obviously, you know, Matt Riddle won. But Yeah, Roderick Strong got in a ton of offense that looked really good and also looked really smart because he was doing the whole, you know, back attack thing. But he also, if you think about it, he was the one who got a lot of rope breaks. He got, you know, some cool, like, positioning stuff. He looked like he was trying to outthink uh, Riddle, which was cool. It was a cool dynamic. And Riddle took pretty early on, like, some back action. He looked like, obviously, when he first came in, he looked like he was just going to fucking kill him because that's what Riddle does. He just kills everybody. But Strong looked like he was able to, you know, stop that from happening by doing targeted attacks or whatever. And it looked really good. A lot of the matches this time were kind of devoted to, like, actually working over a body part and having that play in. Messiah of the Backbreaker... He does a bunch of backbreakers, and then Matt Riddle goes for the Broton Bomb, and he, like, puts up his knees, and Matt Riddle probably sells that for a good, like, 40 seconds, because it's like, oh, yeah, if you've already been hit 20 times in the back, and then somebody puts up their knees as you, like, drop your back on them, that's gonna fucking hurt. Yeah, it does look pretty good. I do like that he kicks his legs a lot. I like that he arches his back. It looks like he got really fucked up. It's the kind of selling that you probably can only do after you've actually gotten close to breaking your pelvis. It does look like he's really in pain, even though, you know, he's he's just selling it on the on the mat. And you know that because he's able to get up and you know do a move, which is great. Fine. Everything's good. The selling looks good during the match. You seem to be uh, hanging your hat a lot on the phrase during the match. Yeah. Is there something you want to tell us? 
There is. I guess I should get it out of the way right away. Okay, so Matt Riddle wins. Everybody knows that because we already said it. He's selling the back during the win, which is great. He's holding his back. He's hunched over a little bit. Wonderful. Smiling at the crowd. Then I guess something that happens in his mind is, oh, they're going to start doing replays. Because they always do that, right? You, you, you win the match, and then they start doing replays on the Titantron and then on the TV screen at home. And he's like, I don't have to sell the back anymore. So he stands up straight. He's pointing at everybody. He's, make, he's mugging and joking and laughing with the crowd. He's bopping it up and down, and he never stops. We see it start because he missed times when they're going to start cutting to the, to the replays. And then we literally come back from the replays. He's still doing it, and he's not selling the back anymore. He's got to put on a little dance for the audience, Alec. It pisses me off because we're playing off this whole thing that Roderick Strong is finally, like, super dangerous. How is he dangerous if the dude can dance around like an idiot five minutes after <laughs> the match is done? I'm not trying to rag on anybody. I mean, look at me, a big, fat armchair dickhead. That's what I am. But I'm not trying to be an armchair dickhead this time. I'm just trying to say I got a little bit annoyed for Roderick Strong, who put on a great match. Who had to endure, for some reason, being called Roderick on commentary a bunch, which is not great because it makes him sound like a medieval knight, and Game of Thrones is done. He fucking made his name strong so that you could call him strong. Yeah, exactly. You know that, right? (laughs) You could call him Roddy. I mean, the fans call him Roddy. The chant is Roddy, pointing at him and saying, Roderick's in trouble. It just sounds... <laughs> it doesn't sound great. You gotta have one of those uh, leather skull caps and, like, peasant clothes. I'm not gonna lie. I was thinking leather skull cap. I was thinking straight Monty <laughs> Python and the Holy Hell Grail. Yeah. Like, I, that's Roderick. And I never would have thought that about him because no one has ever called him Roderick before. You know what this means, right? No, what? If he ever goes to the main roster, he's oh, going to be a knight. Oh, God, he's a fucking medieval knight. Because they're going to make him one name. They're, they're slowly getting rid of second names on, on the main roster. Uh, yeah. I think that this might be uh, like my Dark Horse favorite match of the night. I respect that. It was a good match. That? Yeah, it was long, but it didn't feel long. So that's a good clue. It was surprising that it was a contentious match. It told a story that I wasn't expecting them to tell. But also, I really liked how it felt really brutal and grimy. It felt yeah. like like two guys who legitimately wanted to, like, I'll take the pin, but what I really want is to kill this dude. Yeah. Oh, and I guess it should be said, yeah, there was actually a lot of, like, standard, like, real wrestling moves like if you watch like high school and college wrestling there was some of that in there i think that there was a lot of not shoot as in like i actually want to hurt you but shoot as in let's not call the first like third of this match and just go out there and try to get counters on each other because a lot of that early stuff where they were getting rope breaks felt like the kind of scrambling of a legitimate like greco-roman wrestling match yeah there was a lot of that to it that i thought that i was really attracted to right away i thought that was really cool yeah it was different than what you would think from the opening match of a takeover yeah and i guess we should talk about um matt riddle got a new move it's uh some kind of gotch style something or other halfway between a pile driver and uh uh the styles clash 
I don't know. Yeah, so, you know, if you're some kind of fucking wrestling nerd who ever wants to commentate a wrestling match with me, uh, like some shitty mark that I'm going to look at you and be like, oh, yeah, you know all the fucking names and moves, right? Asshole. Tell me what that's called. You could, you could tell me what that's called, and then I'll, I'll make fun of you. I didn't really like the look of the move. No, I, was, I didn't know what he was going to do with it. Like, when he had the hold, and I was like, oh, is he just doing a Suzuki thing? For somebody as athletic and weirdly elegant in the ring as Matt Riddle usually is, it looked kind of clumsy and like, is this, is this what I'm trying to do? Is this what I'm trying to do? Huh. I guess this is what I'm trying to do, because I just won, so... Cool, that's his move now. Yeah. I don't know, he's a meaty gazelle. Gazelle yeah, and good. rhino. Yeah, yeah. It was good. The rhino is is Keith Lee when they're buddies. Yeah. They're buddies, remember? Oh, I guess, but I, I, I was thinking when you said rhino, I immediately was still thinking Matt Riddle. I thought you were talking from, like, waist down. Oh. That's another big yeah. mushroom joke. Yeah. He's the big horn? Yeah, because the horn is like a dick. It's like an erect penis, guys. <laughs> There's a curve in it, but you know, a lot of people have them, so it's fine. Sawing off Matt Riddle's dick so that he doesn't get poached. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Chris, what do you think? Should we chop off his dick so that people won't hunt him down? So like, I've heard that the black market is looking for Matt Riddle's dick. I think a lot of people are looking for Matt Riddle's dick. I mean, come on. In certain countries, it's considered an aphrodisiac. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure it is. But uh, we'll move into the next one, which uh, had no story, and that's the way I like it um, for a fucking 700-man tag tag ladder match. It was fucking crazy. Four-way tag ladder match to find out who gets to be the new tag champions because the War Raiders just disappeared. Yeah. These Viking dudes showed up, but I mean, they're not going to have the belts. So we got to put the belts on somebody. This match was great. It was very dangerous and scary. And it was really dangerous for real because there were times when ladders went flying and I think people didn't know where they were going to go. No, Kyle O'Reilly's life was definitely put on the line. Yeah, Kyle O'Reilly got really fucked up. He has a spaghetti and meatballs back. Somebody put a fucking like hex on him. They did the thinner curse, but uh, the old lady was saying ladder, ladder, yeah. because ladders kept fucking flying out of nowhere and slamming into his neck and spine. Yeah, there were times when I really feel like that was not supposed to happen at all because he was just in the ring. There were two times where it expressly was like, that looked fucking cool, but that was not supposed to yeah, happen. Yeah, that was not. I don't want to say fucked it up yeah. because he didn't die and also it looked fucking awesome. Yeah, and but... also it probably just, the way that it got fucked up was probably just like, he probably shouldn't have been in the ring, but they were like, well, you could stay in the ring. It's not going to happen. And then it did. Do you remember that time? I think that one of the Forgotten Sons, it might have been Baloney Dorch, but uh, one of them picked him up. Bobby Fish was climbing the ladder and they power bombed him into the ladder to knock Bobby Fish down. And the ladder kind of skidded a little before it fell down, which meant that Bobby Fish didn't fall quite right. And both of Bobby Fish's knees just landed on Kyle O'Reilly's chest. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. That looked bad. <laughs> that could have that could have even been what fucked up Bobby Fish because later on when he's out in the ring during another segment, he's got a he's got a sling. 
So his arm is fucked, which is bad because he just got done with that leg injury a while ago. Hopefully it's not too fucked. Yeah, I hope it's not too fucked because he's great. He's such a treasure. His big fat mouth is such a treasure. <laughs> he's he's so great. His yelling and screaming is just fantastic. And the things he says. I don't even have any examples, but you guys watch the match. You know what it is. It's good. Um, Where did the War Raiders go? There was this one day where they showed up and they were like, we're uh, the Viking Raiders and... Um, we, we are now raiding, uh, uh, Raw, so we have no need for these titles, which, A, fucking sucked. That was stupid. Yeah, they gave them to Regal, too, which is so stupid, because it's like, you're not even a badass, you're just like, hey, boss, here's your titles. We're moving on. You, you, You know, you know what phrase I think of when I think of Vikings? respectfully declined we're not going to be here anymore so i guess you can have this stuff back well i mean i know what you're trying to say but you are halfway right because respect is very important for the (laughs) (laughs) it's very they respect everybody all right vikings and relinquish no it doesn't it doesn't fit it doesn't work too good and i love the story that they were telling too which was like Street Profits come out and they're like, you're giving this up because last week we almost beat you and you don't want to wait around to see when we will. And I loved that. Angelo Dawkins can finally do one-liners and you're afraid of his power. Yeah, well, that's what he was missing. That was the only thing. When he busted out the, if that's even what you're called now line and everybody in the audience oohed and odd like a middle school class. Yeah, it was the weakest, shittiest (laughs) joke. I loved it. But it was really good. Yeah, it was great. I love that that was also the thing that made them uh, go like, okay, fuck you, it's on. Beforehand, whatever, we can just walk away. You know, they're just trying to rile us up. Vince McMahon keeps renaming you. Fuck you, goddammit! It touched a real nerve. They'll be on uh, Chris Sherko's podcast next month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, War Raiders and uh, Street Profits put on a very good match, uh, which ends here. I'm going to fucking pop Alec because I'm going to use some some terminology. Oh, shit. It ends in a schmoz. Oh, shit. That's a big nose, right? (laughs) Yeah. Let me ask this Mark sitting next to me. He's fuming at me because I didn't know what a sunset flip was. Hey, what's a schmoz? Is that a nose? Is that like on Double Dare? You reach in and you pull out a flag. It's all just uh, uh, Carney's <laughs> misappropriating Yiddish. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, that that makes sense. I mean, misappropriating language is free, Tristan. <laughs> that's true. But this microwavable knish I can sell you is fifteen dollars. That's why you're the businessman. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> it ends in a schmaz. Oh, great! I wonder what they're gonna do with this. And then next week, Morrow just goes. So the War Raiders are gone, and there's going to be a fucking awesome four-way. Yeah. It's like, wait, what the fuck? Come on. Yeah, it's great. There's going to be a four-way, but War Raiders aren't, you know. Forgotten Sons come out and just fuck everybody up, and everybody gets mad. Donnie Blorch, uh, Donnie comes, Blorch out. comes out to be heroes. And then Viking Raiders get their little, like, farewell shine where they beat up Forgotten Sons. This was where I'm starting to realize Street Profits are an amazing 
tag champs in the making because they did pin um, War Raiders with no ref in the ring, and they did count themselves, and it was And great. Angelo Dawkins. I also liked that Angelo Dawkins blatantly did a fast count. Yeah, like yeah. he didn't Incredibly even trust fast it. Count. Yeah, you couldn't. You couldn't say it was. <laughs> and I, I, I think Nigel did give it give us a treasured moment of that was a fast count <laughs> after a really amazing super blockbuster. Yeah, it was cool. But then Angelo Dawkins is like, I don't think that that's gonna keep him down. The thing that was so weird about the takeover match is just that. Viking Raiders were so central to it, but they didn't end up being part of the match at all. And I guess it's to protect them when they go to Raw and do absolutely nothing for the next three years, but I don't know. They're going to have another uh, six uh, name changes, another two gimmick changes, and then uh, they're going to show up on Talk is Jericho after they don't re-sign. They are going to end up as part of a WWE contract deal. With Sony Pictures, they're going to call themselves the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, and they're going to go up against... EZ3 wearing a white sheet, <laughs> so you can't tell who he is. <laughs> they're going to go up against EC3 and Mojo Raleigh with a giant talking <laughs> ape as the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, I love it. And they have the shattered mirror gimmick because it's something, because it's so stupid. They use a lot of like uh, black and white camera stuff. And, you know, they have production assistants from off the side of the camera pull chairs with like string. And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> and then the handy cam whip pans to an ape that goes, did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they forget to cut out the parts where they tell the guy about the stunt they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, so that's Viking Raiders. They're gone now. Gone, but not forgotten. But I guess they will be when they change their name. But um, this was a great match. Besides Kylo Riley almost dying. Bobby Fish almost died. And everybody almost died. You know who died the most? Who? Oh, uh... Jackson Riker. He died both physically and as a character that could even be conceived of as someone caring about. So I think we, and by we I mean the wrestling public, have been looking at this the wrong way. We've been seeing Forgotten Sons as a vehicle for Jackson Riker. I've definitely been seeing that. I think you've been seeing that. I've been hearing Yeah. Well, because the other two are good at wrestling. I think that it's not. And they try so hard to put Jackson Riker over. I don't think that's what it is anymore. Forgotten Sons is is it's not about Jackson Riker anymore. People were actually into the dudes. I was waiting for when they were smashing the ladder down for the other two Forgotten Sons to run out and help them smash the ladder down. Oh, yeah, down. to beat him down, to just be like, yeah, we hate this guy. It would have been funny. But, like, he, they came out, and within five seconds, these are guys that I literally, I think you can listen back to the podcast, and you see, I don't think I've ever watched a match that they were in for more than, like, two minutes. I think I got up and ate. Like, I really think I just eat every time I see them. <laughs> and, and for some reason, you know what did it? They come out and they go under the ladder. They go under the ladder at the top of the ramp. And I said, That's what got and you. And I said, That is so cute. That is so fucking cute. 
I'm going to watch these guys. And I did. And I enjoyed it. The Forgotten Sons come out and the audience is booing them. And they're booing them hard. Yeah. And then later on, Jackson Riker shows up and the audience goes silent. And there are a couple of people booing. And that is the reaction of, we just don't like this guy. Yeah. He's uninteresting to us. The other two Forgotten Sons, people hate them in the way that you're supposed to hate a heel team. Right. And Jackson Riker, people are like, but he's boring. I, I think there's potential in him, though, too. But he can't be in that group anymore. He has to shave that beard. He has to buzz it down. He has to never do bug eyes again. I like big guys. You know that. Always optimistic. You you want to see the good in everything. I do. Get the only good you can get out of Jackson Riker out of him, which is have the other two Forgotten Sons kick his ass one Oh, day. yeah, that's going to happen. That's got to happen. That's got to happen. I mean, not just because every tag team eventually has that moment in the WWE, but like... You've heard the phrase albatross around my neck? Yeah, that's this. That's this. Hello. My name is Jackson Riker. Yeah. I'm an albatross. Yeah, that that's what this is. Loney Dorch, though, look great, like they always do. And I was saying to... We'll bleep his name, because he likes that. And we bleep his name. Oh, you, you like it like that? Yeah, he likes You it. like that? Yeah, he does. He doesn't like his name to be on this. Fucking pervert. Yeah, that's what he likes. I was talking to him about it, and I was saying... Jesus Christ, if this tag division wasn't so stacked, these guys should definitely be on top. <laughs> like, I love Bloody Torch. I love them. I love them. I can't wait to see them as a tag team for a long time, and I really hope they don't split them up because they're so fun. I get the same kind of shades that I of what I got from The Revival back when I was in love with The Revival, which is just like, these are just two tough guys. Yeah. You know, like, they can both wrestle it isn't that they're bad at wrestling i would never describe them as that i would just go like oh them they're tough yeah well especially danny birch danny birch i feel like you could hit danny birch with a car and he'd get up and get mad at you we really could just probably spend 20 minutes uh saying the cool shit they said about danny birch again yeah he's the kind of guy that thinks a good night out is uh, a pint and a fight uh, Odie Lorcan is just so fun as well. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler. I love those guys. I'm excited to see when they can get the belts because I, I know it's, I know it could happen. It's just not in this weird atmosphere where you have like these outrageous characters. You can't really, you know what I mean? Like you have to transition into that, but you can do it. You can make it happen. It's not going to happen right now. I could probably spend some time intellectualizing it but i just kind of felt it in my bones and that's why when montez ford almost killed himself by jumping from a a, a springboard jump off the rope onto the ladder to yeah. get the belt it must have been a 10 foot jump too like it must have been like horizontally there were so many ways to fuck that up and just eat death it was amazing that wasn't even like the craziest thing that he did all night, but that was still pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. And he gets those belts, and I was like, oh, thank God. Because it was only going to be either the Street Profits or Forgotten Sons. Again, as long as Jackson Riker is involved, it is not time to push the Forgotten Sons like that. Yeah, no, I, I had to prepare myself for the reality that it might be the Forgotten Sons. 
So I was trying to do that during the match. It is really the Street Profits time. They have taken like the comedy gimmick and turned it into very respectable because they both demonstrate power. They both demonstrate, you know, ability and agility. I mean, Dawkins is looking great right now. <laughs> it's easy to gush about Montez Ford. He's almost inhuman. The disparity between Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins has at least like closed somewhat. It doesn't feel like Montez Ford is carrying Angelo Dawkins so much as Angelo Dawkins is like bringing something different than Montez Ford. Montez Ford does a, you know, 35 foot frog splash and Angelo Dawkins uh, does a fucking killer spear. It's got to have something to do too with the chemistry. Like they get along, it seems. But at the same time, if you're Angelo Dawkins, you're in a tag team with a guy like Montez Ford who's going to do those high-flying crazy shits, you probably have to find your footing a little bit more than somebody in another tag team might. You at least have to figure out what you're going to be about that's different than that. You're not going to be able to compete with Montez Ford on the insane flippy shit. Also, their gear was amazing. I mean, their gear is always amazing. Yeah, but this I love these like goofy Apollos and the like the, <laughs> the fucking rhinestones or whatever it was. I it was sequins, the sequin like military looking. I, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious, goofy. It was cool looking. Uh, I love the transition from red to blue. I know they were doing Harlem Heat before. They're probably doing something else now. I'll have to ask the pizza face guy who sits next to me and tells me the names of the moves. I love it. You call him Professor. Oh, Fesser. Professor P. Zuface. <laughs> Very That's good. what I would call him. And then I make him go, wash my car. Go wash my car, nerd. Surely it's Peter Zuface. Yeah. You know, Pete Zuface. Yeah. That's it. That's good. I like it. Yeah. Let's use it. We're building up. We're building up, guys. Our own wrestling brand right now. You could tell New York Giants. Pete's a face. It's coming along, guys. I like. Regular I like Saturday Professor, morning's main event or whatever. Professor Pete's a face. Uh, getting indignant. I prefer Professor Zaface, but at least Professor Pete. Can you just call me Professor Pete? And it's like no, 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 no. Yeah, guys. If I had a wrestling promotion, I, I tell you what, um, you probably wouldn't like it because when I was a kid, my favorite wrestler was Papa Shanga. He lit if people's hands on fire. If I had a wrestling fire. promotion, I'd wrestling promotion across this land. Yeah. I'd wrestling promotion love. Well, no, I'd just wrestling promotion Papa Shango. <laughs> <laughs> I just have guys that light people's hands on fire. And look awesome. That's enough of the tag teams. Yeah, right. Because that's what we were talking about. It was a spectacle. And if you're into spectacle, you will not be disappointed whatsoever. I think that the Street Profits really open up the uh, the gates for the possibility of um, them actually being on the show yeah. a bit more. Yeah. They clearly aren't billing the Street Profits as, like, dominating champs. That means that, like... You don't have to keep them in the back room so that the shine doesn't wear off of them. You can have them come out and like get some sneaky, you know, behind the ref's back sort of wins and it would fucking still work. It'd be fun. Yeah, they they definitely there's more potential now than there was with War Raiders at the head of the division, I think. I agree. 
Speaking of possibilities, the next match is Tyler Breeze, a.k.a. Prince Pretty, versus the Velveteen Dream. Oh, what's Tyler? Oh, shit. Okay, I was wondering what the fuck happened to Dijak or how he got so short. How'd you get so short and good looking? Yeah. Wow. How'd you get so short and good looking <laughs> and effective Not like, racist. power heel moves? Power heel strike moves that like actually look better than when you were two feet taller. I don't know what happened with Dijak. So what happened with Dijak? Did he turn out to be like a real bad guy or is it just like the Twitter thing just killed him? This is the second match in a row where we're going to start off with I guess Dijak disappeared because there was a moment when everybody was like, Dijak's racist, and they were like, we're going to work through this. And then they kept feeding him black and Middle Eastern guys to squash. And then one week, Dijak just disappeared. Yeah, he it was so weird because it wasn't he said something on Twitter that made people say, oh. Is this a racist character? But then he said something in the ring that made him sound like some weird pro-immigrant guy. And then he beat up Mansoor, who was like, I don't think I've seen before this, but I've seen him a million times since. I kind of get this, but it's one of those like pick your battles kinds of things. Uh, After people were like, so you just did this kind of maybe racist thing, and now you're beating up a Middle Eastern guy. And Mansoor went on Twitter, you're just reading too much into it. It was nothing like that. I get it. You don't want your like first match in NXT TV to be sullied by a bunch of people. Yeah, I mean, Mansoor was a good wrestler, but like, is this racist? <laughs> no, just focus on me and how good I am. Yeah. Be like, wow, his work rate or whatever. Instead of just be like, it's interesting to have him beat up a brown guy. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Oh, no, I'm that guy now. Oh, damn it. But, like, I, I don't think that you're actually going to get out of that hole by saying it didn't make people feel weird because it definitely yeah, it made definitely people feel did. weird. It was the first thing that I thought of when I saw Mansoor come out. I was like, seriously, this guy? Find the whitest dude in the back a.k.a. probably Oni Lorcan. Just have him beat up Bugenhagen. Yeah, whatever. Just find a white guy so that you could be like, see, it isn't racist. He just hates everybody from America. Yeah, from that's, North that's America. Problem. Yeah, from North America, <laughs> broadly speaking. We lost out on a dream as, as, the, as, the, as the Statue of Liberty gimmick. I mean, he did oh it, my but God. we lost out on the weird, like, dream national anthem that was horrible we lost out on like that was not horrible uh, okay everybody was giving velveteen dream shit for that national anthem they were saying he can't sing why would you have him sing that why would you have him sing anything oh, he wanted he to can't sing, sing. That. <laughs> a while ago roseanne went insane and did q conspiracy stuff and was racist online and this hurt me because I love her horrible national anthem. I love. <laughs> I love her horrible this is a national really anthem. Really interesting way to lead into this. 
that that ends with her grabbing her crotch and then spitting and everybody was like this is disrespectful it, it was not disrespectful it was funny and awesome but I can't like that anymore because Roseanne fucking sucks. So this is and, the new uh, one for you, is what you're She saying. thought the bitch was white, and now we can't talk about Roseanne stuff. But this is my new bad national anthem, okay. and I fucking love it. All right, I guess I, I guess I'm, I guess I could get behind that. It was not bad in the way that I think people want me to say it's bad. Like, oh, I hated it. I liked it, but I think it's unapologetically. But you can't say it's not bad. Oh no, it no, it bad. is. It is dog shit but in the best way it's also a little weird to paint him as the face because they were going to paint him as the face because dijack was definitely going to be the heel how are you going to paint him as the face and have him change all the lyrics to the national anthem (laughs) to be about him it's a little heelish i know you were saying he's like bitchy outside of the ring and that's we got to keep it like that and yeah. he's a face, but he's bitchy. And I, I get that. And that definitely works. Still a little weird. He goes both ways. But I will say, we'll never know. We'll never know how it would have worked out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because instead we got a very... Because Dijak disappeared. Yeah, uh, Dijak got replaced by Tyler Breeze. And it was a very weird gimmick versus gimmick thing where Tyler Breeze was like, you're, you're knocking off my gimmick, even though he's not. Because I'll talk about the differences right now. Tyler Breeze's gimmick is I'm beautiful and I'm a model and I'm pretty. Velveteen Dream's gimmick is I'm an experience and they are very different things. I am something bigger than a person. I'm not beautiful. I don't care about beauty. Look at me and you'll see a different world. Okay, so actually this weirdly is something that I wanted to bring up about the National Anthem, which is I loved how committed to it he was even though he sucked at yeah, it. Well. And I felt like that fit with his character so much, which is, it doesn't matter that he's bad at singing. He's good at singing as the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, right. Like, this is how the Velveteen Dream sings, and it doesn't matter whether he's good or bad at singing. You want to hear him sing because the Velveteen Dream is singing. It wouldn't even occur to him that he's not good at singing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't even occur to him. And so like And did you hear everybody cheering and singing yeah, along? Exactly. The- they loved it. They loved it even though it was ho- it was so horrible. In a weird gimmick versus gimmick sort of thing, I was a little nervous that the storyline was gonna be whoever loses is obsolete. Like Tyler Tyler Breeze is obsolete. He's the bargain bin version of or whatever great value version of Velveteen Dream. And it's like, but it's such a different gimmick. To me, Tyler Breeze is all surface level. Velveteen Dream is all like, I don't give a shit about anything. I'm just great. Tyler Breeze does cocaine and uh, Velveteen Dream does mushrooms. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say mescaline, but yeah. He's very high fashion, but he's about the clothes. And like Tyler Breeze is very high fashion, but he's about the face. Yeah, he's wearing a fucking furry vest. Yeah, it doesn't look good. It's not like... Cool, like all of Velveteen Dream, like Velveteen Dream's amazing necklace. I thought was going to get snagged on something and kill him. Also, oh my god, that necklace! And thank was God it was gimmicked great. as hell. Like it just ripped right off. I was like, oh okay, it almost looked like it was made out of stretchy material. I was like, oh okay. The hair was incredible as well. I mean, we could just go on. And and the fact that it was under the big blousey yeah, shirt. Yeah. No, oh, it was so great. really killer. It. He's the future of the world. I I really love this guy. 
Velveteen Dream is egotistical, but I don't think he's actually like a narcissist. Tyler Breeze, that's his gimmick. He's like constantly looking at himself in his phone camera because he's like, look at how pretty I am. Whereas Velveteen Dream, he doesn't want to necessarily look at himself all the time. He wants, he wants to, to stand in front of people and go, look at how amazing. Yeah, he is. wants you to look at him. If Tyler truly is just back at NXT. I don't know that he is. I, I think it was just Dijak replacement. I hope he is because I love watching him. The commentators have said he's back at NXT. Yeah. I think that that gives it so much more legs. And it kind of makes sense that this was his first match back because it's like you have to tell everyone Tyler Breeze is not Velveteen Dream. Right. Here's how they are yeah. different. And then it ends with the same cute moment that Velveteen Dream has with Matt Riddle where he doesn't do the thing at the beginning because there's no respect there. But once he's proven that he's the best, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take the selfie with you. And then, he still, best yeah, and then he still blows him off with the little pose. I think that this was my Dark Horse favorite match. Even though I'm talking about like how the, oh, the gimmicks don't mesh the way that they're telling us to in the story because that's the story that they're presenting in the packages. I don't necessarily agree with the story that they're presenting in the packages. But I do really agree with the story that they told in the ring. I loved it because it was a match that finally, I think, both Dream and the guy he was working with was able to say, okay, you're not going to be heel, even though you're heel. You know what I mean? Like, I think Black tried to do that with him. Like, I think people try to do that with him. Riddle kind of did Riddle, that. I think, yeah, I think Riddle was the closest because Riddle actually did turn heel by stomping on him and all that stuff. Yeah, it was great. Tyler Breeze starts the match off working heel, even though the promo packages would have you believe that he's the face because he's the one that's like, I'm going to come in here and show you this was my thing. Look at me. You know, I, uh, uh, the universe and blah, blah, blah. But he comes in. He's working heel. He does big power like strikes that just cut off. He, he gets out of the way of stuff. He does this amazing flying elbow from the apron. I was actually going to mention so the great. supermodel kick into the deep prettier yeah. that Velveteen Dream that was sold by doing a full somersault. Yeah, that it was, was That was killer. a dream move. Even though even though Tyler did it, that was <laughs> you you got to appreciate the dream. I would say for Tyler, the thing that I was really impressed by was that fucking flying elbow was incredible. Um and he was able to like work heel for the beginning of the match. Then he was able to transition and work face for the rest of the match cuz Dream turned heel by hitting him only for the match. Like he's obviously still face, he's still the best. We'll always cheer for the Dream. But he beats him up on the outside and he takes the selfie with him all busted up and he's like, ha look at me, look at the title. And then he tries to cheat later. It's very rude. It's very mean. Oh, fuck. I want to see Tyler win. And then Tyler gets in the ring and through the story, like he could cheat and hit with the belt. And he's like, no, I can't do it. And that's why he loses because he gives the belt to the ref. It's like a lot of in-ring story stuff that I actually really appreciated. And where with the strong riddle match, 
which could be considered Dark Horse Match of the Night by you. The technical storytelling of it was really proficient. I would say in this one, I loved the dramatic storytelling of it, like way more. That's definitely where Velveteen Dream like fucking lives. A lot of what he does is not in a bad way, but like slowing down a match so that you can see just how amazing the other guy is being. You oh, know? of course, yeah. If the other guy is flipping and one guy isn't flipping, it really shows off the flippy shit. He does that a lot. He's like an old school fucking wrestler, yeah. which is- He does his double axe handles. He does it all. As good of a wrestler as he is, he doesn't make the technical stuff his linchpin. By halfway through the match, I want some of my braids to have come out so that I have a bigger mohawk than I did before. Yeah. And it's like, okay, oh, yeah. yeah, we can do I that. I get the sense he's thinking about that kind of stuff when he's putting his outfit together. I mean, he had the wherewithal to have the best pin of the night for sure. They almost butcher it because they cut away and only in the replay do we get to see the entire thing where he pins Tyler and he's dead. He's looking dead straight on the camera and then he just crawls towards the camera, never breaking eye contact. I thought it was incredible. The fact that we didn't get to see Montez Ford's full jump until much later. Yeah. You knew that this was coming. Come on, get the yeah, camera on that I dude. Thought that was, he's about to fucking uh, risk his neck. I know, because imagine if... He did that and like fucked up his ankle landing on the ladder and then they still didn't show it, right? Like how, then it's all for nothing. It's so fucked up. What was so cool about it was just, you got to see Tyler Breeze is actually, you can understand why people got behind him as much as they did when he was in NXT before because he's a real workhorse. He, he will put in exactly what he needs to do. He's not afraid to work heel. He's not afraid to, you know, work face. He's not afraid to slow it down. There was a time when he was doing all the cutoff stuff. Wow. He's really flexible. He's really able to do this stuff and kind of take the ego out of it. And I think that I really appreciated that. And it was great to see him do that with Dream because Dream usually fights these spot fest dudes. And it was just so fun to see something different. Speaking of Prince Pretty, we have an email from Chris. This is the the Chris bag. Chris writes, I like Breeze being sent back to NXT. Will he be the new gatekeeper? And before you answer that, Alec, gotta call you out here, Chris. You, uh, you sent that May 8th, and I think that that's a full week before Tyler Breeze returned to NXT. So unless you got information we don't, Dirt Sheet Reader. Oh. I mean, he might be at, like, dark matches and stuff. I don't know. Let us know, Chris. Write in or tweet us or something. That was pretty good. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, so do I think he could be a gatekeeper? Yeah, I think he could. I guess he's, like, a weird choice, but I think that that's only because the other gatekeepers that they have are closer to, like, newer acquisitions. Like, I could see Matt Riddle being a gatekeeper. I could see Drew Gulak being a gatekeeper, which is what I kind of already see him doing. Gatekeeper doesn't have to also be your first match. It could be your first feud. If you have a first feud with a guy like Matt Riddle, that's actually not bad, even if you lose it. Because if you can hold your own, like it's like, look at what we were talking about with Roddy. Like he looked really strong in that match, even though he lost. You don't have to job out to be the gatekeeper. You could have feuds to be the gatekeeper. I do think that he would be a good one. Like, if you're just replacing Cassius with Tyler, I think that works. I think that's fine. He needs to get wins, though, because otherwise 
his past history at on the main roster of like never getting like the very cruel uh promos that dream was cutting will ring way too true if he just jobs out when i responded to chris in this email uh tyler breeze hadn't fully returned yet and i was thinking break up breezango like are you crazy they're they're wonderful together but now i guess they are broken up uh unless they aren't broken up in which case bring back fandango too he's great that would be fun fandango's pretty cool I would love to see them as, you know, whatever kind of big tough guys in the back. Big dogs. They can, they can be the uh, the new APA, but pretty. Yeah, that might be pretty fun. I would like that. Like, they do a lot of cool backstage segments. Sometimes they wrestle singles. Sometimes they wrestle uh, tag. Like, that would be fun. Yeah. The All Pretty Association. APA is so goofy when they, like, turned into, like, the badasses because that's, like... They're badass, like, card-playing, cigar-smoking, beer-drinking, you know, bastards. But they're still acolytes. <laughs> Which, like, reminds me of, like, monastic societies and stuff. It's like, very weird. But whatever. They're fun. They're, they're a lot of fun. Well, that's enough about that. How about we talk about Io Shirai versus women's champion Shayna Baszler. Yeah, this was a good match this was a very good match uh i don't know what else i can say about it i keep saying it Shayna baszler is great i mean io shirai is great too but Shayna baszler is wonderful as champion yeah she's really good uh i like her transition to shit coward heel it's good it's what do you mean shit coward heel io doesn't have her weapons and she doesn't have her friends but i still got mine (laughs) she's a Lady Adam Cole at this point. Not she's really. She's in the same strata right now as Adam but Cole. She's like which way is, tougher. It, it definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither of them are true coward chicken shit heels. Yeah. Because both of them have the skills to pay the bills, baby. Like they can do it on their own. And oh, yeah. both of them in this takeover do it on their own. Clean in the middle of the ring wins. Like, no funny stuff involved. Well, I mean, there was some distraction from the two ladies. Well, but that was earlier, much earlier. Spent a long time staring at them getting beat by kendo sticks. It didn't have anything to do with the actual finish. No, you are right. I'm just saying it did happen. Adam Cole maybe secretly doubts himself somewhere. That's where a lot of his bravado comes from. But he's like, oh man, if I don't have the rest of the Undisputed Era to back me up, maybe I can't do it. This takeover was very much him proving to himself in the world that no, he can do it on his own. Whereas with Shayna Baszler, I almost like it even more because it's just like, but I keep proving it. How many times do I have to do this? It's not that I can't beat her on my own. It's that, uh, again? Just yeah. give me the belt. Just let me have the belt. It is interesting. She's having an incredibly dominant title reign. Like, it's a long time. And even though there was a break with uh, Kyrie holding it for like a month or something. To all of the stupid marks out there who are on the internet who are complaining about how they just wish that they would take the belt off of Shayna Baszler. 
You're fucking proving my point, baby. It keeps becoming more and more prestigious because she's holding on to it and everybody's like, please take it away from her. No, she's too good. It'll never happen. I think people need to start waking up and seeing it because she's a great wrestler. The way she wrestles is wonderful. She takes people down. She, you know, removes their like strength. She counters like crazy. She's got a really brutal looking style. She's really fun. She's a methodical heel. I really liked two things about this match that I think work in conjunction. Io Shirai knew that Shayna Baszler was underestimating her. And whenever she felt that way, she would just be shitty and brutal to her. Like that that time when uh, Shayna Baszler is down on the mat and she tries to block an incoming strike. And instead of kicking her through the block, she doesn't kick her. She waits until Shayna Baszler puts her arm down and then just slaps her in the back of the head. I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. But then in conjunction with that, you still get the fucking submission ending, which is like Io Shirai is amazing because she will not tolerate not being taken seriously. But also Shayna Baszler is amazing because when she starts taking you seriously, that means she is going to kill you. Io Shirai is a badass, but this match already showed that she's got a different attitude towards it than the other uh, challengers who have all lost and have never been able to really defeat Shayna, even though Kyrie did the one time. Yeah. And that is that she's like, okay, I can't win. I'm going to give up. Like, she's not like stubborn to the point of it's self-defeating. She's just like, I'm a badass. I'm going to beat you. Okay, you got me this time. I'll get you. Well, and, and also, like, not needing to... They kept Kyrie Sane a face from the beginning to the end. A lot of Joshi wrestling does not hold on to face and heel dynamics as much as American wrestling. And I kind yeah. of like that about it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's... there Unless you're like really, really a heel, like it doesn't seem like you're even a face ever. Yeah, it, it, it face and heel in Joshi is more like... Do I care or not care about the company that I work for? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's generally, that's, yeah. That's a bigger deal. You're still a face if you put on a cute mask and do a cute dance and then kick somebody in the back of the head, but then still say the company name at the end of the pay-per-view versus if you don't do that, but you dress in black and go, no, fuck this company. Like, oh, fucking heel. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> Biggest heel shit you can do. <laughs> say fuck the company. Io Shirai just comes out of it like, yeah, I lost. And now I'm going to make sure that Shayna Baszler pays for trying to win against me. We can get more into the actual match, but how excited are you for the upcoming guaranteed hardcore match that's going to happen between <laughs> Oh, them? boy. It's going to be good. I can't wait to see chairs, maybe a table. Probably not a table. Well, I mean, we're going to see a table, but I, I don't really care that much for tables. I know I'm a real dickhead. Chairs, definitely. Very excited. Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler purposefully trying to one-up the uh, Ciampa Gargano street fight. Yeah, that'll you know? be fun. Like, that's going to be fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Just just do what they did when uh, when we saw LAX oh, Jesus wrestle Christ. and just take the padding off just of the, the ring completely. Off? 
Oh my God, that was so scary. <laughs> I don't want to see Io Shirai's career end because she got her ankle caught between the boards. Yeah, maybe you secure the boards a bit better. Yeah, but maybe still, do a better job than that. Just take the padding off, secure the boards, have them wrestle on a wood wood planks. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, no, that'll be a lot of fun. That's going to be great. I really That's like That's going to be that. super fucking good. We, we saw somewhat of the death of dark candace she is she is firmly in the looking out for my friends and trying to be a, a good wrestler but we saw the birth of dark eo which i'm very excited about i feel like dark candace could still happen it still could but it's definitely on a back burner right now she's coming out to her name in a big gumdrop it could happen because she she beat the shit out of the two ladies with the with the the, the two the mmas with the kendo stick yeah. and she's also like Oh, Eo, I got your back. Oh, Eo, we're friends. Oh, whatever. Except she sold Eo asking for the chair as like, okay, I'll do this, but why are you asking for the chair? When it's like, you should know why she's fucking asking yeah. for the chair. Come on. Now, the other thing that I You've like- You've been in wrestling. It, I like that she has the potential to just be like, okay, first I was fucking Johnny's arm candy. Now I'm your arm candy? This is bullshit. And just turn around and just kill everybody. And oh, I yeah. feel like that could happen. I feel like we could get Dark Candace- I would like Dark Candace because uh, it's it's different than her indie career. I, I don't know. I They have to do something with her because they can't just have her because she's Johnny's wife and they want to keep him happy because she is so good that she could definitely make waves. I have been watching her stuff. Do you think she's getting revival treatment now because they keep referencing her on the fucking Young Bucks web series or whatever? Because like now they're just like oh now you're no because Eo's because she's actually gotten some like matches which she wasn't. I think she got one match since the Royal Rumble. You yeah, know? but it was an actual match. It wasn't like a part yeah. of anything else. It was. It was like, with. It was. It was pretty cool. It was with Lady Stan Hansen that we've been digging oh in the past. God. Yeah. Raina oh Gonzalez. man. Yeah, and she's so big. Like, I didn't realize she's how big. She's a big lady. But holy shit, when she's standing in the ring with Candace, I was like, oh, man, Raina got like, You better be signed. If you're not signed, where the fuck are you? Oh, you no, better... she's definitely, like, in the PC. I yeah, think. They, they better sign the shit out of her. And I think it's great that she's just basically just been like, hey, you know what they haven't done in a while? Stan Hansen. I could just do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Moro, just keep referencing Stan Hansen. Yeah, it's going to work. Don't worry. Yeah, just call me the Lariat. <laughs> the 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 Laderiot. The Laderiot. Yeah, oof, that's bad. That's not that's not good. Yeah, but they'll do it. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's the that's the new women's right. Lady Riotto. The Lady Riot. Oh. That's That's really bad. That's bad. I'm telling you. We could make it worse. <laughs> oh, we let's, could definitely make it worse. Let's we get that, won't, but let's we, get that, we could. Let's get that old resume open, and let's send in some samples and see if we can't get uh, get ourselves jobs in Connecticut. I mean, you need a new job, right? Let's get writer's jobs. Could we call it the Lariat with Boobs? <laughs> Now, do you think they would? I feel like I feel like Vince is already his eyes are just popping out of his head. Um, hold on, hold on. <laughs> You're like just staring. <laughs> He's just staring. He can't. Bra riot. The bra riot. 
These are very bad. This is actually going to be some of the stuff that I cut. Yeah, absolutely. Two fucking dumbass men talking about women, women wrestling moves and trying to name them as sexist as possible. This could never be misread the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) As always, I loved this match, but I've become so used to Shayna Baszler putting on good matches. Because of the prospects for what it's going to lead to, I think, I'm more excited. It, it almost overshadows the, the actual match itself because the match was really good. And if you want to watch it, like you'll have a really good time. But I like the ending where she moonsaults with the chair and I and how bad Shayna sold that as being just fucked up. She couldn't even I mean, stand. both of them sold it really well. Like like Io Shirai sold it as this might have hurt me more than it hurt you, but I'm still glad that I did it because it hurt you at least somewhat. So but like Shayna being unable to leave the ring for like a solid couple of minutes was awesome. I just can't wait to see the I can't wait to see the hardcore match. It better so, happen. So, so you didn't see that clip where uh, uh, she thought that they cut to commercial and then she jumped up and danced for the audience? No, you know what? I didn't see that part. That part I didn't see. Because you know why? Because she's a fucking professional. Oh, God. I don't want to rag on him so hard. He's so great. <laughs> Matt, Matt, you're a good wrestler, but are you a professional? Oh, Come on. shit. You know what? You said that. I didn't say that. I'm just going to get pissed off about that one part. I, but it is it is so annoying. I mean, especially when you see this, where she sells that like death. It was great. Johnny Gargano versus your new NXT champion, Adam Cole, baby. Yeah. Oh, very well deserved. I feel bad for Johnny holding it for so short of a time. But I mean, Adam Cole is just so I can't. I can't wait to see what he does with it. (laughs) Johnny Gargano has other places to be. It's a pretty good guideline that for a face, the money is in the chase. Yeah, no, that's true. He's spent two years chasing this belt. And now that he has it, it's like eh, he's making kind of cocky comments towards Adam Cole that aren't landing that great. No, he's better as a like underdog trying to get to the top than being on the top. This match was incredible. It was wonderful. There are a lot of great things to say about it. However, okay, this is going to be me being a crotchety old piece of shit. Okay, there's one thing I got to say, and this maybe is going to be the big thing that I say about the whole match. After all this fucking time, the thing that makes you dumb fucking inbred moron bastards boo Johnny Gargano. (laughs) Jesus Christ. The thing that makes you boo Johnny Gargano is him stealing Adam Cole's butt wiggle? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's the only thing? Why didn't we have him do it all the way back when he was a fucking bad guy and everybody refused to fucking boo him? Straw that broke the camel's back. It was just that one last. He just did the fucking butt wiggle in the beginning of the end. He got booed so loud. I was like, what the fuck is this? That's what it takes? Hey, let's get our leader of the heel faction. I'm going to make fun of him as the babyface, and you're going to boom me. We've been through the Johnny Gargano is actually a bad guy thing. Yeah, but he was a good guy again. Like he did. Maybe the audience finally got it, because I'm assuming that they saw the promo package that we also saw that is all about Johnny Gargano hanging out with hot dogs and loving being the champ and just living his best life 
Meanwhile, Adam Cole is actually training all the time. They realized it too late. He's good again. <laughs> I don't think he is good. I think that he's a cocky little shit. Ugh, I get it. He was like, oh, I won two falls last time, so I'm not going to lose this time. Yeah, no, it was not great. Those were not, I mean, you could take a microphone out of his hands. It's fine. He's an okay promo, but like his in-ring genius is so great. I'm not saying that his promos were bad. I'm saying his promos were building him up to be a cocky little pissant. Yeah. And Adam Cole's promos were building him up to be completely motivated and looking to kill. Right. I wonder why Adam Cole won. So that's very silly. I don't I don't understand why that's the thing that you boo. I don't get that. I don't get that. But uh it was a brilliant match. Johnny, I feel like in every match he's ever had, he always tries to like build stuff every time he does something. In the next match, they do it again, but different. And that happens again here and it's brilliant and it's wonderful. And I give him a lot of credit for that. But Adam Cole is just like a fucking genius in the moment, like amazing. I was telling people, I, I always say that I'm saying this about Adam Cole. And it's part of the reason, actually, because he's one of the only like indie looking guys that I knew about really when we were doing this podcast for the beginning. And I was so excited to, to he, even the prospect of him showing up at NXT. You loved his storybook tales about yeah. kicking Kyle O'Reilly's ass. He's just a fucking genius. He's he's incredible. He the kick to Ricochet's head, all these little things that he does. He did that again. He did the kick to the head when Johnny did the suicide dive. And yeah. then later on, he tries to do the slingshot spear. And of course, he gets caught out of it into like, I forget what. But yeah, like, I think it's like a sting or some kind of back. I, a pizza face. Uh, tell me about that. Tell me the name of the move later. But it's a knees move. Yes, yeah. it is a knees move. So it's very good. I think he just has like this beautiful sense of timing and like incredible like precision he really is absolutely fantastic so i'm super happy to see him with the belt because he could do all sorts of crazy shit with it this is the end of the gargano era and the beginning of the haha the undisputed era maybe uh we'll see when they get all the belts <laughs> but more the adam cole era yeah how do you feel now that we're out of the tunnel about the last two years of Johnny Gargano storyline. I got to say, I'm looking back on him. I really loved him. He had stuff going with guys that I almost didn't even recognize at the time as being part of the big story. Like the, the Alma stuff, was, which really kicked it off, was so amazing and so incredible that like it was really... It it woke up stuff in me, and that was the first time I could really see him as like the big hero kind of character that people were looking at. And yeah, you really fell for him for a while there. Yeah, and and it was after the Alma stuff, of course, because of being. Uh, he might have looked like a hero during that, but there's there's no way I'm not I'm gonna pass up the chance to laugh at like a kid sitting next to me in a fucking arena because Johnny Boy lost. <laughs> I mean, that was a... Also, Almas is Yeah, Almas so is fucking the king. He's, he's amazing. The stuff with Aleister Black, I thought that wasn't going to be good. I knew it was going to be good, but you know what I mean. I didn't think it was going to be great. But everything that he's done has been great. And I begrudgingly, with that last Adam Cole match, I actually had to begrudgingly admit, I was like, okay, 
I think I actually understand why people say he's like one of the best wrestlers. I get it now. I really get it. He can't like fuck up. He's just really good. He can't fuck up once he's in a match. Mm. I'm looking back on it. Did he have an even like, oh, that was passable kind of match? No. I think that pretty much all of them were amazing. Yeah. That isn't all his doing, because obviously almost every single person that he had a fucking match with was also amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He didn't have a bad match. I won't say that I even got sick of it, but I'm really looking forward to them doing something different. With him not being the center of the show, yeah. One of the downsides to that big overarching story that that really kind of like cannibalized a lot of the other wrestlers' storylines, Johnny wasn't there for the show. For a while, it feels like the show has been there for Johnny, you know? I could see and that. And I think that even with the gigantic egotist that is Adam Cole as champion, I get the feeling that the storyline is going to be less about Adam Cole and more about the belt again, which will be exciting. I could see that, yeah. They've set up the idea that Matt Riddle is going to Jason each one of the Undisputed Era, and that's going to be incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, that'll Just be him fun. slowly going one by one through their ranks. Oh, hell yeah. I'm excited to see him versus Kyle. I feel like that's going to be an amazing match. <laughs> I loved the tag team leading up to this with Riddle and Johnny. And like Johnny gets in and the first thing Kyle does is like lays down and does like a little MMA scooching. And I'm like, do that against Matt Riddle. <laughs> I want to see that. Matt Riddle wins against Kyle O'Reilly. Matt Riddle wins against Bobby Fish. And then they have a handicap match. That would be very fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly to be like, of course we couldn't beat him. We're tag team specialists. That's all. That's the only kind of match we know how to fight. I love it. You can't, you can't put us in there 1v1. And then he still wins the 1v2. They do one of those awesome NXTs where literally the last half is just an entire match. Oh, yeah. Know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I could see that. Part of the thing is I didn't really see it as exactly the Johnny era the same way that you did. And that's because, Tristan, I can appreciate some of the smaller things in life. I could stop and smell the roses like uh, Kona Reeves or... Uh, Riddick Moss. Riddick Moss. Well, Riddick fucking Moss is not just smelling the roses. Riddick Moss is the future of this goddamn company. All right? Riddick Moss is not smelling the roses. It's smelling the moss. Riddick Moss is massaging his muscles as we speak with some weird sex toy. And it is going to be amazing when he steps back in that ring and loses to Humberto Carrillo or whoever the hell else. That is going to be a fun swerve of the gimmick when he the 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 uh, Riddick regimen just becomes him selling uh, sex toys. I am very excited to see him selling the supplements and selling the like tools and stuff at, in the promos. I want to see that. Yeah, but come on. You, I want to see you, the Tybo style the personal video. Massager, yeah. Like, oh yeah, naturally. 
that's going to come way later. But like, I, I really don't want to. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, you're, you're worried that I'm jumping the gun, that I'm I, looking yeah, too I, far in the future. I want the DDP yoga style thing where he like <laughs> cuts the promos and he's like, hey, guys, you know. I, I used to be like you, you know, out of shape, and you know, look, I, I was even cut from the from the from the roster for a while. But look what I did! I, I came back, and you can too. You know, I believe in you, and just just rub this stupid thing all over your chest. Come on, Vicks Vapo Rub with red dye. Yeah, and then you rub the vibrating finger over it. Now this is this is very classic, and this is a classic. What's NXT? Uh, moment where we took a great takeover match at like a five-star match and we turned it into talking about Sabatelli and Moss. So, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about, about takeover or Alec? What is NXT? Hmm. I don't know. I think NXT was, I think I could say was now almost the attitude era or the ruthless aggression era. And I only saw that after you asked me the question of what do you think about the fact that the show is not about Johnny Gargano anymore? Because that's what those shows used to be about. It used to be about The Rock or John Cena or CM Punk or whatever. And I didn't think about that with NXT. But I think when you think back on it, that is something you could say. I don't think it's necessarily the case. But yeah, no, there's definitely something there. And I don't think it's that anymore now. So, I don't know. What's NXT? It's different today than it was a month ago. It's impossible at this point to say what is NXT. Only what used to be NXT. Mm. Because, well, that isn't entirely true. You know what NXT is? Women's champion, Shayna Baszler. Always and forever. From now until the end of time, Shayna Baszler, your NXT women's champion... So that's a nice little through line, you know? Johnny Gargano is gone, but Shayna Baszler still holding it down. It's all about her. When What's-His-Face comes back, Champa, they'll probably give him another run on NXT before throwing him back on the main roster, so that'll be good to look over. This has been What's NXT, and I have been Tristan Marsh. And I have been Alec Bossy. Then, now, forever. You can contact us, please do, at whatsnxtpod at gmail.com. Give us five stars everywhere. Yeah, leave us a review on iTunes, and we promise we'll read it uh, within two months. I think that tracks. (laughs) Tune in in a month to find out what's next. What's NXT? Yeah. Yo, I don't know if you want to talk about this. You saw how long Adam Colt's tongue was?